Guru Nation, welcome to episode 435 of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. What you're about to listen to is our monthly webinar for the month of August 2020. We talk about soft skills in clinical research, how to manage workload, how a CRA can tell if a coordinator or a PI are overworked or providing enough oversight in the case of the PI. Uh, there's a lot here. There's a lot to unpack, especially with the soft skills aspect. I think that's something that is needed in every industry, clinical research being no exception. However, it's rarely discussed, if ever, uh, probably outside of this podcast from all from what I've been able to gather. So very important webinar. Everybody needs to learn soft skills. Everybody. I don't care who you are. This webinar is for you. This episode is for you. Check out links in the show notes. Okay. I got the Patreon channel, five bucks a month. It's monthly masterminds. It's learning how to use social media and leverage digital marketing to improve your business objectives. We also have links in the show notes to the CRA Academy, CRC, Academy. We teach soft skills in those academies, definitely, especially during the internship, which both of them offer now. Uh, also, if you want more studies for your site, text me, 949-415-6256. With all that being said, enjoy this episode and maybe go learn something about soft skills. Text me what you think. Bye-bye. started and I think we're live. All right, so welcome uh, everybody to the August webinar. Uh, this is actually a good topic we're going to be discussing today on soft skills. We're actually combining two presentations into one. It's a lot of slides, Chris, like 20 slides. Uh, but we are going to be discussing how to develop soft skills as a clinical researcher. And we're also going to talk about analyzing the appropriate uh, PI and CRC workload, uh, really from the perspective of a CRA, because that's kind of what matters, whether you are a CRA sponsor or even a site. Uh, vigilant CRA, we're, we're going to get into it. I don't want to uh, give it away right now. You guys have to be patient and wait till we get to that slide. Um, but uh, how are you doing, Chris? Doing well. Um I don't have to share my screen, right? Everybody can see the webinar? Yeah, I think they can see it. If it's a webinar, they'll see the, uh, okay. the uh, slides. So, yeah, Wait, Chris they, is on the says, yeah, so. Chris is on the webinar, so if you have questions, um, just type it in to the chat box. If you are uh, on phone, you obviously can't see anything, but you will get the slides uh, or the replay sent to you. Um, and with that being said, I think we can get into the uh, what? What do you think yep. about this topic, Chris? Yeah, it's an interesting topic. Um, when we covered it the other day, I wasn't familiar with soft skills or the, that expression, but um, yeah, perfectly makes sense. What do you think about that expression now? Um, I mean. You know, again, I took a guess at what it meant and just happened to get lucky and get it right. But I think it's kind of self-explanatory, I think. Right. So that's the first slide, you know, is how to develop soft skills. And let's let's get into slide two. I mean, slide two is really where we kind of define what the what soft, soft skills are. Like. And so soft skills, 
involve the use basically it's anything with communicating and interpersonal relationships with um, you know w- with other people so uh, it doesn't just apply to research I mean this is a human thing it applies to every business every industry every interperson interaction whether it's in business or in your life uh, soft skills are important so very very uh very uncommon for one of our webinars to maybe even help you in uh, your life, which is what this one is going to do. Uh, you can be a life guru. Like, like your real life. Yeah, I could be a life coach. We can be life coaches now after this. Yeah. So, but we, it is going to get very technical with research soon. But right now we need to address this. So whether you're a CRA, whether you're a coordinator, whether you're a PI, from the context of clinical research, we all need soft skills. Whether you're a CRA and you need to convince your site that they need to follow the protocol a certain way or do, th- do things a certain way that you prefer, whether you're a coordinator and you need to convince your PI that you have too much work, you know, too much of a workload, or you need to convince your CRA that you're actually right, uh, or if you're a PI or a site director and you need to convince your employees that uh, this is in their best interest to do things the way you want them done. These are all soft skills. This is all extremely important to have. It's EQ, emotional intelligence over IQ. Uh, and so let us know, guys and gals, in the chat box, any questions so far. Has anyone commented yet? Well, I have it on full screen, so... I have to actually probably to see comments. And no, no, nobody's commented. Okay, so let's go to slide three. Never split the difference. A fantastic book. Probably one of the best books I've read in the last five years. Uh, is this book, Never Split the Difference, written by Chris Voss. V-O-S-S. Negotiating as if your life depended on it. There are so many things in here. He's a former FBI hostage negotiator, field-tested tools for talking to anyone into or out of just about anything. I mean, talk about selling a book. Like, this is... And I've read the book numerous times, and I need to... I'm going to make it a habit to go through it once a year. It's that important. Uh, so, some, some of the things like you'll forget when you read a book. You got to actually put these things into practice. And you've done that, right? You've actually put what you read in this book into practice. Yeah, not as often as I should, but I have. I have played around with the tools and the tactics, and they do work. One of them's tactical empathy. It's one of the major concepts in this book. It's really understanding the other person's mindsets, feelings, and motivations. And it's not just understanding it, it's demonstrating to them that you understand it. Uh, and and a, a lot of it involves mirroring, which we're going to get to on the next slide. Actually, we go to the next slide, slide four. Uh, you get to the, the two magic words, Chris. When you're negotiating, the two magic words, so it's a, it's a fallacy, Chris Voss says this in the book, it's a fallacy believe that just because someone says yes during a negotiation that that's that they believe that they agree with you they could just be saying yes to stop talking to you and 
they could be the opposite of agreeing with you. They they can say this guy, I I dislike him and disagree with him so much. I'm just going to say yes to get him to stop talking. Okay. So a lot of people think that they won the negotiation when they hear the other person say yes. In reality, what you want them to get to say is that's right. Those two words. That's right. Uh, because now they're agreeing with you. It's not just saying yes. It's saying that's right. And they actually feel like they bought into it by saying that's right. Because in a way, they're feeling like it's their idea, right? So that's really where you want to get them to is showing them how your idea is actually their best interest as well. And one of the ways to achieve this goal is to mirror what the other person is saying. You don't want to mirror too much to be like a parrot. I mean, this is why you need to practice these things. It's a fine line between parroting somebody else and mirroring. Okay. So mirroring involves repeating some of the information that the other person is saying about their current situation, particularly the emotional stuff, because most decisions by people are made emotionally first, and then they'll rationalize why they came up with that decision. They'll rationalize their emotions after. And you want to mirror their emotions because that's true tactical empathy. Um, you know, whatever they're saying about their current situation, you want to eventually get to the point of that's right. So if you're a CRA, as an example, if you're a CRA and your site is not entering their data, right, you can go talk to whomever's in charge of the site and, and you know, using mirroring, hey, I understand that, you know, or tactical empathy, I understand that how, how difficult it must be to be a coordinator. I've done hopefully you've done it yourself or if you haven't just say I've worked with a lot of coordinators I understand how this is I understand how you may be feeling overwhelmed I mean try to really mirror their emotions if you can this way you have to be a really good listener for this to work um, and then you want to get them to say that's right so when you say see, so they're going to be saying that's right if you're saying hey I know it must be very overwhelming to be a CRC they're going to say that's right so now they're agreeing with you and then you're going to say, look, I mean, I also understand how important it is for sites to get paid because if they don't get paid, you know, employees ultimately are not going to get paid and somebody's going to be upset. That's right. Well, you know, we've got to get this data answered so that you guys can get paid so that everybody can be happy. I mean, I'm simplifying it. It wouldn't be that easy. But in a nutshell, that's kind of how this tactic works. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I mean... It just makes common sense. You get somebody to, I mean, it's true in sales, right? You want to get, and this is kind of sales, with some acting components. Um, but you want to have your audience be agreeable. Right. Um, but aside from that, somebody asked, are the slides going to be available after after this? Are you going to make the slides available to everybody? So not the slides, but the webinar replay will be. with a, It's a video, so you'll see all the slides. Okay. Uh, and so, yeah, then, I mean, if you want the slides, I guess you can just screenshot every time we get on a slide. Uh, but, yeah, we'll we'll send the video replay to everybody. Uh, so get the book. Even better than the slide is get the book and never split the difference. You'll understand more, much more. I mean, I need to read the book again. But let's go to slide uh, five, applying soft skills. All right. 
So it's kind of what I just talked about. Applying tactical empathy and mirroring may sound simple. However, the techniques require a high degree of practice. Uh, these techniques can be applied by CRAs, coordinators, or anyone who can benefit. So once I read this book, I'll just share a personal story about me applying tactical empathy and mirroring. I took a flight pre-COVID to Austin, Texas, um, like as a mini vacation. We had a free airline. I don't remember what it was, but I've never been to Austin and I wanted to go. So I went there, read this book on the plane, uh, and then when we landed, we went to check in our Airbnb and everything, and then we went to walk around Austin, and we went into these little trendy stores where they sell, like, T-shirts and just little things, like, kind of like hipster stuff. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to try tactical empathy and mirroring here, try to get a discount. In a place where they don't give discounts, matter of fact, it's, like, kind of frowned upon to even ask for a discount in these kind of places. I mean, this is not like a swap meet where you can just do that. This is one of these trendy boutiques. So you're not really supposed to do this. It's like an unspoken rule. You don't ask for discounts in these kind of stores. So I said, all right, I'm going to try to apply tactical empathy. So I really found, I truly found uh, a couple of shirts that I liked, T-shirts. And I, uh, but I didn't want to pay full price. So I went to the lady and I said, hey, you know, uh, you guys seem really busy today. Like I was trying to get into her uh, emotions. And uh, um, I can't remember exactly what I said after that, but it was along the lines of, you have really cool stuff here. I really like, like a lot of positive things. I like what you guys are selling. The atmosphere here is nice. And then I said, you know what? Uh, I really like these shirts. Uh, is there any way you can give me like a discount? And then she kind of looked at me for a while. It was uncomfortable. She looked at me. And she said, um, no, we don't do that here. And then I used mirroring, which is a technique from the book, where I basically mirror back what she said in the form of a question. So I said, you don't do that here? And then I paused. Uh, and the pause probably was only 10 seconds until she talked. But it felt really awkward when you're waiting. Like, you, this is where you don't want to say anything back. And then she said, well, you know what? Uh, we will give you a discount. I'll just say that you're a like a street vendor from outside. And so it worked. It worked because I asked, and I think it's because the mirroring worked in this case. I don't know how much the tactical empathy worked, but I I was being friendly, I, and I was trying to see like her situation, but this was not like a major negotiation. It was something simple. But it's just, uh, I these techniques do work, guys. And there's, there's been other times where I have used these things like in a clinical setting as a CRA, kind of like the example I talked about getting the data entered and then getting paid along those lines. Uh, so these are highly transferable skills. I highly recommend everyone read that book and start applying it to your day-to-day. -day. And maybe try mirroring um, at places you're not supposed to, just to practice. If you're ever in trouble with the police, don't try it there. <laughs> Who knows? It might work there, too. Yeah, maybe. I would be concerned. <laughs> yeah. So try uh, with a li little bit less at stake than uh, your life or something.
Yes. Please. Uh, so slide six. Now we're going to get into the technical stuff. Any questions so far? Chris Voss never split the difference. I highly recommend the book. No questions thus far, other than slides. How a CRA can assess PI and CRC workload in clinical research. So it's kind of the topics are related because if you're so slide seven, okay, vigilant CRAs. So CRAs should be vigilant in each interaction with their sites. This means that they should learn to gauge PI and coordinate our workload. And I mean, what are you know? We tell our students this all the time, Chris. But what are some ways that uh, uh, what are some telltale signs that a coordinator or a PI uh, either is overworked and doesn't have enough time for the study, or yeah, I mean, let's just let's just keep it simple. What is a telltale sign from your experiences uh, that the PI or coordinator are just overworked? Well, I think it's true in, in life in general. It doesn't necessarily have to be researched, but when people are overworked, they usually get a little more moody. Um, you ask them something, can you do this, or and they'll snap back, something like that. They're just, they're not nearly as, they're much more irritable. Huh. Typically. Okay. Um, unless, of course, you're dealing with somebody that's just their natural disposition, which is always a possibility. Right, you do, you do get that sometimes too. Uh, okay, so many PIs will take on studies but can't dedicate enough time to meet the study requirements and their coordinators will struggle to keep up because they are on slide eight that you'll see. So overworked. So Marjorie has a couple of uh, examples of how you can tell when somebody is overworked. Um, Chat. Oh, already on chat. She says, not responding to emails properly prior to a site visit, a messy desk or office. Okay, so a messy desk or office isn't necessarily uh, true for everybody. I, I think if your desk is normally tidy and it becomes very messy, then yes, that could be a sign. But a lot of people just have a messy desk to begin with, regardless of how busy they are. Right. I agree. Uh, yes, I agree. There are other telltale signs too, like coordinator not replying to emails, um, coordinators. Uh, yeah, uh, coordinator not answering queries, PI just not seeming to understand what their role is. That happens a lot. Or not understanding what their assessments are. You can figure out if you're a vigilant theory. So overworked coordinator, slide eight. Very important. You got this image of this poor lady here being bombarded with a different request. Uh, looks like someone showing her a watch, a phone. You know, this is, you can empathize with this lady actually sometimes. Uh, so slide nine, how do you determine coordinator workload? Well, I mean, what do you think, Chris? We've done an entire webinar just on this, too, but how do we determine coordinator workout? If you're a CRA, let's go from the perspective of a CRA. Well, again, it, it's dependent upon prior knowledge of the individual, but if at one point they were very responsive and and timely in getting things done and now they're not, I think that would be a very key indicator. Yep. 
So basically um, changes changes from baseline. Yep. Exactly. Now oftentimes you'll you'll come onto it as a CRE, you'll come onto a site which is just constantly busy. Um so you really don't have a good baseline on what uh somebody who's got a a workload they can handle versus some workload they can't handle. They just have always had a workload they can't handle. Um and that could be a number of things that would tell you this, right? Or mm -hmm. you have a problem getting action items completed or resolved, that probably is a good indicator. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So experienced CRAs can identify coordinators who are overworked, fairly simple. Uh, inexperienced ones a little harder. One of the reasons it is hard to tell uh, when a coordinator is overworked is because they tend to be managing many studies at the same time. So sometimes as a CRA, like you see them busy, right, but you're assuming they're just busy on your study, so that's a good thing. But oftentimes they have a lot of studies they're managing at the same time. And uh kind of difficult to have this conversation if you're a CRA with the PI uh, as far as your coordinator workload because you're going to get a lot of pushback from them which is why the soft skills that we discussed earlier is so important. I mean, you got to be careful how you approach certain people about how they're running their business. Uh, you don't want a hostile PI or hostile coordinator, right? So you want to kind of frame it in a way that uh, you're showing that you're helping them. Uh, slide 10. In that um, documents. We've got quite a few comments here. Let me go through them. Uh, wow, gets people like this stuff. Gets confused and keep things straight and can't keep things straight, I think. Uh, oh, yeah, and can't keep things straight. Inadvertently talking about another study with you instead of the CRA study. So, yeah, that would be a good indication. You're there for a diabetes study, and they're talking to you about a depression study. Yeah, so if you're a coordinator, stop talking to your other monitors about other studies. Yeah. Managing too many studies simultaneously is overworked. Is that a question we can ask a coordinator? Sure. Why couldn't you ask your coordinator that? Yeah, tactical empathy. Yeah, let's let's take a page out of that book. I mean, I understand how it is to be a coordinator. Hopefully you do. If not... You can use examples of other coordinators you've monitored and uh, start getting into their emotions and they might tell you without you having to ask. Yep, absolutely. Uh, slide 10, inadequate source documentation is another dead giveaway. Okay, One of the many signs of an overworked coordinator is their patient charts are incomplete. This is really bad here. You're in direct violation of ALCOAC. Okay, source will have errors, missing pages, pages will be misfiled. You see this all the time. If you want to see a really overworked coordinator, they're filing pages from other studies in your study. Yeah. What's happening? Yeah, yeah, I've seen that more often than not. <clears throat> so that's another sign. Slide 11. There's a fair amount of slides at this time, guys. Just buckle up. Well, investigator site file needs attention. That's another giveaway. Now, how do you know, Chris, 
if a coordinator is truly overworked or if they're just lazy? Good question. And I think oftentimes you won't know that. Um, because the lazy ones will tend to tell you they're overworked, even if they're not. Sure. I think if you're there on site and every time you go into because you'll interact with the coordinator often as a CRA, and every time you go to interact with that, that coordinator, you see them on Facebook or Twitter, something of this nature, you can kind of guess they're probably not that overworked. <laughs> Posting selfies on Instagram? Yeah, that's probably a giveaway that are not overworked. <laughs> yeah, so you got to be a little bit of a detective there. Yeah, and conversely, if every time you go to their office, they're off, you know, in the lab or in the drug room or just constantly busy and you just can't get a moment with them, that's probably a good indicator that they are maybe possibly overworked or at least very busy. Right. And if if you are, if you're a CRA and you discover this, this does require a conversation with the PI. And... Even before that, it would require a conversation with the coordinator because you don't want to go behind the coordinator back and talk to the PI, maybe get them in trouble. Yeah, I would. I would That's absolutely. I would do. Yeah, I would absolutely as a as a CRA start by just saying what you've noticed. You know, you seem very overworked, and I want to have a conversation with your PI to maybe help alleviate some of that for you. Just. Kind of get a feeling if that's going to cause a problem or not. Right, right. Yeah, technical empathy and then maybe some mirroring too. Hey, everybody go get that book. It's a must-read. Uh, investigator site file could have missing missing pages, unorganized. Um, obviously, things that are critical, like essential documents, like 1572 forms, IRB approvals, training logs, delegation logs. You need these things completed. One thing I see often that's incomplete is the informed consent log and the screening and enrollment log. So these are things that are important and sometimes also a, a giveaway that the coordinator is either overworked or just not working very hard. One of those two. Or a combination. A combination of both is also possible. Mm -hmm. uh, slide 12, systematic issues. So if the patient charts or ISF have misfiled incomplete or missing a few documents, CRA should point it out. If the patient charts or ISF have many of these issues, the problem is systematic, which means that it's going to happen again, and it's kind of embedded into their workflow, which is not good because if you find a mistake today, you're probably going to have mistakes in the future that are similar. And so these need to be addressed, and these are really the ones where you're going to have to talk to the coordinator and use your soft skills and uh, before it becomes an issue. So part of, like, the really good CRAs can handle, can um, solve problems before they become out-of-hand problems. So if you notice, you know, at your first IMV that the reg binder is just completely in disarray or the source documentation is just not adequate, a good CRA will be able to use soft skills to convince the coordinator of this and to have them fix the issue. And if they don't, it becomes systematic, and now it's going to reflect poorly on the CRA as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
kind of why it's like so stressful to be a CRA too. Nobody naturally, there's a few people that we've met, but most people naturally don't want confrontation. Like they just want to do their job, go home, and that's it. Well, you know, some of these things will require some confrontation or some uncomfortable discussions. Uh, and if you don't have that, it's going to reflect poorly on you as a CRA. So these soft skills, really, it's super important to have. And they don't teach this stuff at these CROs. Uh, slide 13 is other signs. Do you want to uh, go through this one, Chris? You could be like this detective guy here looking for other signs. Oh, yeah, it looks like a gadget. Look, look like Inspector Gadget. That's exactly what I was thinking. All right. <laughs> Other signs. Other signs of an overworked coordinator can be seen on the EDC before the next interim monitoring visit, interim monitoring visits, uh, through missing data or old queries unanswered. And absolutely. If, uh, though, I don't know, less so. In my experience with the coordinators that I've worked with, even the ones that aren't too busy, this seems, these items mentioned here seem to be items that they fall behind on, even when they're not over. Answering queries and, and EDC just seems to be kind of out of mind, right? Once they've entered the data, at least in my experience, once they've entered the data um, for the visit, they don't go back and resolve issues, um, not all of them, unless they're being kind of pestered by the CRA to do so. I don't know. What do you think, Dan? Yeah. I mean, these things, it's hard to tell. You know, these are just regular coordinator stuff if they're truly overworked. I like to, I like to walk around the office when I'm a monitor, if I'm allowed to, and go, go see for myself. Like, not to be nosy, but I'll, if I need the coordinator, I'll go walk to their office, and then I can observe. Are they having casual conversations with their coworkers about lunch? Are they always at lunch? Or are they truly in like patient rooms doing vital signs with a patient or on the phone trying to pre-screen someone? I mean, you can tell. You can tell. You don't even need to be like this detective on the slide. You know, yep. you, just, you don't need a magnifying glass. You just walk around like a normal person and observe. Um, so, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a tough call sometimes to make it, but the conversations need to happen. Now, slide 14 we're going to start talking about the PIs, right, and the principal investigator, because I think it's a little more obvious with the PIs uh, really? than with the coordinators. I think so. I think it's a more black and white with them. Okay. Um, the PI is not available. This is, I don't know how many times CRAs hear this, right, in a given week. But PIs are busy. I mean, most of the time, PIs truly are busy. Now, whether they have sufficient oversight of the study uh, is a whole other issue. But the lack of CI oversight is super important from the FDA's perspective. And it can come in, yeah, it's the major finding. It could come in many forms, but these include missing signatures, missing progress notes, lab reports that are not reviewed, um, really, you should have a touch point with your PI every monitoring visit. You can't meet in person, at least by phone. Uh, and you can tell if you have a 15-minute conversation with a PI, it, whether they are aware of what's going on in their study or, they, or they're or they not aware, right? Uh, I mean, you can tell. 
the biggest sign uh, is whether the PI has enough time to dedicate to the study, which may not really become obvious until like IMV3 or 4, or maybe when the site really gets busy on enrollment. And we have more to say about this on slide 16. Hey, I've had conversations with PIs that really have no clue about the study. Like, truly clueless. They may yeah. not even know the drug or its purpose. <laughs> that's pretty bad. <laughs> that one. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I mean, so if you can tell and you're not the monitor, you know, you're just like a consultant, right? Yep. Uh, some of Imagine being the monitor. So this is a difficult conversation to have with the PI. Again, soft skills. If you discover this as a CRA, you need to have a conversation with your PI and say, look, I understand. I mean, I respect doctors so much. I know how busy you are. You guys do such important work. Um, again, the tactical empathy. But then show them, you know, the bad side of this. Like, hey, you know, the FDA's biggest finding is lack of oversight, so it would help if you can do this, this and that. Basically, get them to say that's right. Uh, get those magic words. And then now it's their idea. Once they say that's right, it becomes their idea. We've got a couple of questions about PI oversight. Sure we do. Maybe from some PIs that you're, disc that you're talking about. No, I don't think there's any PIs here, but uh, so can we, so we can say that as CRAs, we need to like audit PI and CROs. So they're asking, can you call for an audit as a CRA? Uh, yes, but I would use your soft skills first to avoid that. And then the next one, if it's identified that a PI does not have enough time, you would report that to the sponsor or CRO. You would put that in your monitoring report. But again, try to solve the issue first by talking to the PI. Yeah, I, my opinion is everybody gets at least one chance. So if you find something wrong at the site, regardless of what it might be, I would try and help the site out first just because you want a good working relationship with the site. Um, makes your job much easier. But they don't look, view you as an enemy. Um, so you try and work whatever the problems are out with the site first. And you can mm -hmm. work in such a way that it doesn't look nearly as bad. And remember, if you're a CRA, you're monitoring reports. They don't get seen by the site. So you want to, like, cover your own backside. You yep. want to document in your report, you know, CRA potentially observed um, an instance of lack of PI oversight and then put the specific example and then also include CRA had a discussion with PI, PI understood and will uh, rectify prior to the next IMV. I mean, you want to put details in there. Remember, the site's not going to see that, but the sponsor will. And so if it does turn out to be an issue, you have a documentation that you are aware of it. Now you're doing something about it. Yep, and you made your, your employer aware of it. Yeah. Uh, PI doesn't have time for study. Other red flags. Uh, somebody in the CRA Academy asked what's a red flag uh, this last weekend. The, Tiffany had to explain a red flag. Maybe in the other countries this, this is not a 
uh, phrase that's often used. Yeah, I saw uh, that in Sydney's text. Yeah, red flag is a warning, basically. So red flags to look for include when the PI has trouble meeting with the CRA. This is true. Or if the PI has too many studies, sometimes study staff will inadvertently disclose that the PI has trouble giving attention to studies. So, yeah, they will. And then we're getting to the next slide of key opinion leaders, every CRA's favorite type of site to monitor. Uh, and I'm being sarcastic a little bit. But key opinion oh, leaders, uh, KOLs, as they're often called, are often treated with higher priority and uh, I guess they're treated like VIPs by the sponsor, very important people. And this could be frustrating for CRAs because sometimes the PIs know this and they know that whatever the CRA tells them doesn't really matter because the sponsor loves them. And if you're in a situation like this as a CRA, I don't think soft skills will really do much in this case. What I do think is you need to document your case in your reports. Um, key opinion leaders may be very important for the study. Maybe they're high enrollers or maybe they just re look really good to include as one of the investigators for the study, uh, either for other physicians or for the FDA. Um, CRAs, you should be aware that these key opinion leaders may not have time for their studies. Now, some K KOLs are very good PIs as well, um, but some are not, and they know that they can get away with it because unfortunately they can because the sponsors really basically are telling the CRAs, just do what you can to make this an acceptable site, but uh, we're not going to do any, we're not going to not continue to give them studies. We're not going to put them on a screening hold. Uh, obviously, unless the PI does something really bad, like fraud, but if it's just poor data or lack of oversight, unfortunately, these KOLs get the pass, and oftentimes they know that. So it could be very frustrating as a CRA to be in these situations. And I don't know if soft skills actually would help at all. Um, Possibly you can work with a coordinator and use some soft skills with them uh, to kind of clean up the uh, uh, lack of oversight from the PI as much as you can. But at the end of the day, there's not much you can do here except document. Uh, but I feel free. I have tactical empathy for you if and you're in this situation. Marjorie uh, agrees with you. Marjorie Guzman says, document, document, document. Just remember to document with facts and do not add feelings to your reports. That's right. That's right. Facts, exactly right. Uh, what can a CRA do? Slide 18. So we can go to slide 19. Well, like Marjorie said, document, right? But take initiative. Try to work with the sites before notifying sponsors about their concerns. This is not just for KOLs now. This is for any anything you notice at the site. The, your job should be to try to prevent these situations from escalating. And so document as much as you can. Um, at the end of the day, it's your job to kind of make sure the site is being compliant with all GCP and protocol-related matters. Uh, and then slide 20 is communicate. 
So CRA should for and this is this is the last slide, but it you know comes full circle now with the soft skills. I mean, what is soft skills really? It's communication. So CRA should first notify the PI about any signs of an overworked coordinator or lack of PI oversight. Again, like Marjorie said, you should document these um, in the monitoring report along with any resolutions. So what do you think about this, Chris? And uh, let us know what other kind of questions people have in the background, in the chat room here. So the most recent question is, the CRE documentation cannot be edited by a sponsor or a CRO. So no, it's not going to be audited, or excuse me, it's not going to be edited by them specifically, but they'll ask you as the CRA to change your report. Yeah, however, you've got to be careful because sometimes the sponsor will take out something you wrote. And they're they're supposed to go, right? Yeah, sometimes they will take it out when they finalize it. So you've got to keep your drafts, yeah, keep your drafts of your reports. If it has not been documented, it has not been done. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. So, any other questions, comments, concerns? Well, that was a good uh, presentation, Dan. Thank you. Yeah, you want to give them a... Uh quick rundown of our services, either for CRA, CRC Academy, or the consulting services? Uh, sure. So let's see, Marjorie has another comment. There have been instances that the sponsor will ask you to change your report. You have to stand by what you document. Usually when an audit happens, the first thing they look at is the CRA reports. Yep, completely agree. But I would also agree with what Dan said. If if they insist on changing a report, and Marjorie, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, if the sponsor or CRO insists that the report is changed, I would agree with Dan, you want to show that that was an issue. You want to keep your, you want to keep an audit trail yeah. of your report Absolutely. so that you can show that you were told to take this out, that that now, should arrive. Thankfully, most trial master file systems, ETMFs, um, will automatically keep your drafts in there and there's really strict rules around the audit trail so auditors will know if things were removed so usually your drafts are kept in ETMF but if you would just want to have if you're a CRA you want to have a backup of these reports yourself as well just in so, case. Sophia asked um, will they receive the presentation automatically uh, what do you mean? Will you send out a blast email with the presentation or a yeah, link to it or whatever? Anyone who's registered will get the replay. Yep. Okay. And then we have another question. Doesn't that compromise the integrity of the study? Um, they, to the contrary, you documenting things uh, enhances the integrity of the study. Like. They're more referencing when they're when you're asked to take things out. I'm not sure what they're. Oh, most likely, like yeah. I would say yeah. I would say absolutely it does. 
and I would say absolutely sponsors have been done to do this. All right, next, you can add a progress note report stating that the issue was resolved with the performance improvement process. Exactly what I was going to Angel. How does it help the study in the end? Yes, you want to keep an audit trail and any email, emails with a request. Always cover yourself. And Angel says, no, I'm referring to when asked to take things out. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, uh, yes, that will cause problems, potentially. So it depends, like, um, what you're being asked to take out. If it's something, maybe it's repetitive. Maybe the, or maybe you're just adding way too much detail and it's just not necessary. Um, or maybe it's confusing. So and that's why you have, that's why your reports are audited by your lead or whoever's responsible for that. Um, for a few reasons. They want to make sure that it's clear what's being um, stated, what's being relayed as, what's going, as to what's going on at the site. So you are asked to make changes to your reports often. Um, now, are you being asked to remove something that is crucial or are you just being asked to make it a little bit more clear or understandable or removing any problems? Yeah, or sometimes they ask you to remove something because you misinterpreted the protocol incorrectly. I mean, maybe you said something's a deviation and it's actually not. So at the end of the day, the sponsor is called the sponsor for a reason. They're paying the for the study. Right. So, PRA, but if you really feel strongly about it, you need to keep your draft. So it's not unusual, Angel, to be asked to change things in your report. And like Dan just said, oftentimes it's necessary. So if anybody's interested in learning more about being a CRA, um, we do offer a CRA class. It's a three-month course, 12 weeks. Uh, there's a live webinar once a week, and then there's material that's covered each week in regards to becoming a CRA or what's involved in being a CRA. Um, the time necessary to complete the course is approximately five hours a week, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. Um, and it's a, it's a great course. Um, we've been doing this for what, six years now? Six five years, years, yeah. And six uh, years. We're, we just um, filled our August class, which is going to be the last class of 2020. It's completely full. So... The next CRA Academy will be in January, but we do have CRC Academy going on every month. And the CRC Academy now offers an internship component as well. So, you know, CRC is usually a precursor to CRA. Somebody who's wanting to be a CRA, maybe CRC is a good option for them, especially now that it's a little lower price than the CRA Academy. And it also offers an internship not oncology internship like CRA, but it does offer an internship, a remote internship. In my opinion, the best CRAs were once CRCs, so also consider that. Oh, yeah. And Marjorie says, wow, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, if you ever need your staff trained, we do, like, group discounts, too. 
And she, Marjorie, agrees with what I said. That is so true. So right. nice when people agree. Of course. That's what do you want? Uh, that's what our conversation was half the time for this today. Agreement. Right. All right. So let's see. And we got more questions. I'm located in the UK. Can I also apply for a Scenario Academy? What are the requirements? Whether you offer any internship in the UK? Uh, so yes, you can take it from the UK. Um, so the live webinar might be a little difficult for you. It's at uh, one o'clock Pacific time. I don't know what that'd be where you're at. Probably twelve hours later. So yeah, one, <laughs> one in the morning. They're at this time. So if you're on this thing. Yeah, if you're on now, it wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. Um, the requirements are you have to have at least a bachelor's degree. And yes, we do offer an internship. It's remote internship for you in the UK. You're welcome to come to the United States, but you don't have to. There's a remote internship. And, in, and international students get discounts. They don't pay the U.S. price. Is there a link you can post for the academy? Yes, so we'll post it right now. Yeah, we have CRA and CRC, and both can be done remotely. Both, I mean, they're all done remotely, no matter where you live. We've had students from Australia, from all over the world. All right, so here's the CRA Academy. Getting all kinds of questions now. Oh, now they're now they've got the questions. Good. We love questions, guys. CRC Academy. Why is this not coming up? Yeah, for those listening on the podcast, it's thecraacademy.com and thecracacademy.com. Links are in the show notes. They're also underneath the video. But for those of you live, Chris is posting it now so you can click on it live. All right, so let's see. Maybe I got a link to the website. Yep. So I posted both the CRA and CRC academies. Where would I find Canadian rates? Um, talk to Dan. Yeah, Canadian rates are half, any international is half of the price of uh, the U.S. price. Um, great, thanks. How long is the internship? It's as long as you would like. Um, most students either continue with the internship until they're hired or until they give up, one or the other. Most students don't give up. I mean, it's most get hired, but we have a few that have given up. So uh, most people continue with the internship until one or the other. Never give up, guys. No, I don't know why you're going to give up. One of the most, um, one of the most com most frequently observed traits in successful people is persistence. The, there is no discounts for U.S. students, Angel. I'm sorry. Yeah, U.S. U.S. Uh, full price, and uh, yeah, don't try to lie about where you live because we're gonna find out. Uh, <laughs> 
you know, there is an internship component, and we'll know. But uh, CRC Academy, I think Monica is giving out discounts if you ask nicely. So CRA, we can't. CRA, we actually can't. Uh, but CRC, we can negotiate more. You can try your soft skills. How about this? Go get the book and try those soft skills on Monica, and then let me know how it works. Yeah, get the Chris Voss book uh, and never, convince never Monica. Never the difference. Yeah, never split the difference. Monica is who you'll be talking with in regards to the CRC Academy. So use use what you learn in that book to get a discount with Monica. Yeah, if you want to introduce, you can email me and then I'll uh, put you in touch. What other questions do we have? More questions? People are interested. No, I think that's it. I think I got everybody's question. We also have uh, services where you can help you get studies for your site. So. Uh, just text me, 949-415-6256, if interested in that. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on this very last day of August. This year can't end soon enough. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe we can go back to some normal times. Yep. Everybody, 2021, normal. Everybody can use, the whole world can use tactical empathy right now. Best decade ever, guys. Really? <laughs> you must be a, uh, what's the word for it? Uh, masochist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bye, Angel. Uh, thank you. Uh, go, go Niners, somebody says. Oh, go Niners. I 100% agree with you. I completely disagree, but that's okay. <laughs> go Niners. We might have Super Bowl. All right, so I guess uh, we're done. And for those that only attend once a month, uh, we'll see you in a month. See you in a month, guys. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Chris. Absolutely. Thank you, Dan. Everybody have a good rest of the day. Bye-bye. So, hey, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. Again, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you leave a review if you could be so kind, please. Uh, And also go to theclinicaltrialsguru.com if you're interested in learning more about who I am, who some of my guests are. Uh, You can have access to some of my YouTube videos. Uh, I do a lot of videos about clinical research. So go to theclinicaltrialsguru.com. And you can also call or text me anytime, 949-415-6256. Also follow me on any social media platform. It's Dan Svera. And you can also email me if you'd like, dan at theclinicaltrialsguru.com. Thank you very much.